Welcome to Courageous Me, your go-to podcast if you're looking for inspiration and the confidence to put the spark back into your life. Hi, I'm your host, Kim Payne, and I'm on a mission to empower professional women to live kick-ass liberated lives where they're seen, heard, and fully valued. Join me on a journey to reignite your passion, get clear on your purpose, and to put more fun into all you do. To declare to that beautiful human staring back at you in the mirror, you've got this. If that sounds like you, let's do it. Welcome to another episode of Courageous Me. And can I ask, have you seen the Barbie movie yet? So I thought it would be a really cool idea to take my husband and my two teenage sons last night to see the movie. I don't think I've ever heard them so quiet in my life. But what was really interesting and what I loved most about the movie was that you know, being Barbie and being the perfect kind of stereotypical Barbie, I I promise I won't give too much away, is not what the real world is like. And to get a dose of reality and the reality that we, us humans, live in every day, it's not perfect. It's not glorious. It's not all pink and fancy and rainbows and what have you. And I thought it was such a beautiful reminder that, you know what, I wouldn't trade this human experience in for anything. But what it also made me realize is that how boring life would be if everything was perfect all the time. So seriously, Barbie Land, and for those that haven't seen the movie, but Barbie Land is all perfect. And I remember even growing up, I never had a Barbie townhouse and my cousin did. My mum used to always say to me, darling, you didn't get a Barbie townhouse, but you had braces on your teeth. What are you most grateful for? Now, as a grown-up, of course, I can appreciate that comment. I wasn't so keen on it when I was a teenage girl. And when my cousin had a Barbie townhouse, the only way that, you know, I got to enjoy that was by going over there. So I spent a lot of time at my cousin's house growing up. But what was really cool, yeah, about seeing the movie is just that reality that being real does come with being imperfect. Being real also comes with the joy of the unknown, the joy of not having everything go to plan and every single day being like Groundhog Day, because honestly, that would be horrendous. But what it also was a great reminder was, I don't know about you, but I reckon I set really unrealistic expectations of myself all the time, and I always have. So when I don't achieve them or I don't live up to them, often I'm the one that absolutely tortures myself and puts myself through all this unnecessary turmoil and stress because I didn't live up to my own expectation. And it's certainly been something that I've had to grapple with over the years. And there's a guy called Chris Helder, and he wrote a brilliant book. It's only a teeny tiny little book, but the book is called Useful Belief. And honestly, if you haven't read it, it's a must read. I've also asked Chris to be on this podcast, so I'm hoping that he can share more about it in person with you on an upcoming episode. What I love about the whole premise of the book is that positive thinking absolutely has a place in this world, but it doesn't always work. It's not always the best strategy because life happens and life is not always perfect. So When something really bad does happen, and yes, down the track, you might find the silver lining, 
but it's not always that clear at the beginning. That a more uh, practical use or practical way to think, as opposed to always just thinking positive, is to think, what is the most useful belief I can have about the situation that I'm in right now? Now, that doesn't mean wallowing the misfortune over and over and over again, but it means right now, what is the most useful belief that I could have? And that for me is such a brilliant perspective on life. Now, I am someone who is reasonably optimistic and positive and does try to find that silver lining and the the positive side, glass half full of everything. But as I've got older, I've also realized there are times when, gee, I need a big kick up the backside dose of reality. That, you know, things do go pear-shaped and you're allowed to be in that real world, which does mean, yes, sometimes being disappointed in yourself or feeling like, oh, I wasn't, you know, wasn't my best today, whatever it might be. And there's another saying that I really love and it's, you know, yeah, we do try to be our best. But we can't be our best all the time. So if you are going to be your best, be your best when your best is needed. All right. And I found that such a liberating thought as well. That, you know, yeah, I can't be my best every single time, all the time, 24-7. But gee, when I do need to be my best, I need to pull out all stops. And if that means finding something within, if that means, you know, turning up to something when I'm tired or doing something when I'm feeling like, gee, I'd rather be sitting on the couch right now. Uh Also known as maybe a gym workout when I don't feel like doing it. But when I do need to be my best, then wow, step up, show up and put on those big girl pants so that you can be your best. Anyway, back to Chris Helder's book, Useful Belief, where I find this really helpful and have over the years is when Nicole Kidman and Tom Cruise split. Yeah, really good friends of mine. Only kidding. Not at all. But I remember reading an article that Nicole shared. Now, she was in the public spotlight. And in this article, she said when they first split up, and obviously the the split was extremely public and all over the media, she said there were some days where I just didn't want to get out of bed. And every now and then, there would be a day where she'd say, today, the most useful thing that I can do is literally pull the doona back over my head, curl up into a ball and just cry myself silly for hours and hours and hours, wallow in my self-pity, stay in my pajamas, eat lots of chocolate ice cream and just be like that for the day. However, She allowed herself to do that for the day, knowing that the next day after she'd gone to sleep and got rid of all the puffy eyes that you get when you cry at night, that the next day she would have to get in the shower, put on her makeup and get out there and face the world and face the media. So, but at the time that one morning she said, I just needed to have today not to have to be someone that everybody looks up to and admires and in the public spotlight. And I really do love that. I love that she could give herself that freedom to be real, to be human, but not wallow in it, right? She gave herself that 24-hour period to do that. And the next day, she pulled herself out of bed and did get up and go and put on her face that she had to, to face the role that she was playing in the world. So where in your life have you thought or kicked yourself for saying, oh, gee, I feel really bad about this or this is not going well? And I had another girlfriend 
who were on the phone one time and something wasn't going so well in her life and she was having a moment. And when someone is in that space, the last thing they want to hear is everyone going, oh, it'll be all right and just look on the bright side and look, the positive will come out of this and that door might be shutting, but another one will open. Yeah, get all that, but not today. Just let me have this moment when I can wallow, be sad, and then tomorrow I will change my attitude, I'll pick myself up. But we don't do that enough to ourselves. We put too much pressure on ourselves to be that perfect version and that that positive self. So useful belief is something that when I read the book many, many, many years ago, it's a belief that I've adopted in my own life. And gee, (laughs) pardon the pun, it's been extremely useful. And reading a book by Jim Collins called Good to Great, which is really about what the good companies out there have done differently to the great ones. And obviously, most people want to follow the version of great, not good. And just it's it's an awesome book, especially if you are in business of any description. But what I love is the section where Jim talks about the Stockdale paradox. And most of you might not have heard of this term. I hadn't until I'd read about it. And Jim Collins was interviewing this admiral called Jim Stockdale, who'd been one of the highest ranking United States military officers. And he was actually a prisoner of war back during the Vietnam War. So, and he was tortured a bucket load of times, like 20 times said in eight years from 1965 to 73. Anyway, Jim Collins in talking about this whole experience that Jim Stockdale actually experienced in the war was, you know, how do you actually deal every day knowing that you're in a prisoner of war, that you are a prisoner of war, and that the things going around are horrific, including all the torture and seeing all the atrocities that he saw. And he said, you know, and this guy, Jim Stockdale, did actually get out to tell this tale. And that's where this paradox has been named after him. But he said, You know, when you're in that, there are obviously those that did survive and got out to tell the tale and those that didn't. So Jim Collins asked Jim Stockdale, he said, you know, who were the ones who didn't make it out? And Jim Stockdale said, oh, that's really easy. He said the ones who didn't make it out were the optimists. Now, probably like you, when I first read that, I'm like, what? Wouldn't the optimists have been the ones that you would have thought would have got out, right? They're the ones with the positive thinking, the mental aptitude and attitude to know, yeah, this is bad, this is horrible, but I'm going to get out. And what he went on to say is the reason that they didn't is that they would, you know, optimistically think, you know, I'll be out by Christmas and then Christmas would come and they wouldn't get out. And then they'd say, well, that's okay, we'll be out by Easter. And then Easter would come and they didn't get out. And this continued on. And in the end, they ended up dying of a broken heart. And they ended up not getting out of being a prisoner of war and ended up dying in this camp. So the Stockton paradox is about the fact that, yes, it is absolutely healthy to have a dose of optimism and and positivity about the world and to have faith and to have hope and to believe in the best and that things will happen. But at the same time, have a very healthy dose of reality. Okay. So being able to have both, and that's why it's called a paradox, that 
Yes, you can, you know, have those Pollyanna moments where things are all bright and bubbly and cheerful, but also put a bit of a dose of reality in it and realize that we do live in the real world. And there are times where positive thinking in itself and on its own is not going to be enough. Or when something's going really, really bad, I don't want to hit, it will all be okay. Just look on the bright side. Sometimes I want to go, no, let me wallow today and tomorrow I will have and change my attitude and all will be okay. But I really love that balance. And this is a balance that I don't know about you, but I've really needed to embrace over my years. Because if something went wrong or if something failed or I've put something out into the world and didn't get the response I wanted, oh man, I can be hard on myself. As a lot of us can, but I'm sure there's many of you listening here going, yeah, that sounds like me too. And I remember even being at school and, you know, if I didn't get a really good grade, kind of A or A plus, oh my goodness, that was just horrendous. How could I not get this good grade? And I would torture myself and I would beat up on myself and be so disappointed. And it's like, oh, really? And it's interesting because that very much plays into how I'm trying to parent my own children that, you know, your grade is not everything. And to me, I have a very, very strong focus on their effort and behavior. And I have a much stronger focus on that than I do their grade because I don't want them to go through the same torture of trying to be perfect that I've lived with for most of my life, to set unreal expectations. And then if you fall short, being so disappointed in yourself, getting actual fact, not other, nobody else around me had the same expectation, which means they didn't then have to live with the same disappointment. And it was interesting, many, many years ago when I first started in my own business, and this is, my kids were really young at the time, and I had a coach, Babette Bensusan, and I loved, loved, loved her. And I remember quite early on in my coaching with her, And one of the things that I was really grappling with was mother guilt and going back to work. I started my own business when my eldest was only nine months old. So I had to have him in daycare for a number of days very, very early on in the piece. And this was at a time where most others in my mother's group and around me were having a bit more time off with their kids. And again, any judgment was my own judgment. I mean, yes, society, and there are some women that did judge, but the worst judgment actually came from myself. And I remember her saying to me, this was so useful, talking about useful beliefs. She said, Kim, I want you to write a list of all of the things that you believe your children, or at the time, your child needs, that will allow him to have every opportunity and to grow up in a very safe, warm, loving environment, which was really important to me as a parent. So I thought, oh, that's really cool. So I wrote the list. And then I was sharing the details of the list with her. So she said to me, okay, so Kim, on that list, tell me what are the things that right now your son is not receiving? Now, here's the key. She didn't say on that list, what are all the things that you're not giving your son? She said, what are all the things that he's not receiving? And I looked over at this list and I read every single one and I thought, well, I'll be damned. There's not a single thing on that list that he's not receiving. And of course, (laughs) the epiphany then hit me. It's like, right. 
So my son's getting everything that he needs, that I believe he needs to have a very stable, strong foundation of childhood that will set him up for his best life as an adult. And he's receiving every single one of these things. That was magic for relieving me of some of my working mother's guilt. And it's certainly something that I share with others that are facing the same problems. And you could adapt that same philosophy. It doesn't just have to be about, you know, parenting and working and having that working mother's guilt. There could be some other areas where maybe you're feeling like you're, you know, working all the time and not giving, you know, to the relationship that you've got with a partner or a spouse or other family members. But really having a look at where are some of the things that you then think are expectations of yourself? So I thought I had to be doing all of this for my child, but as long as his needs are being met, it doesn't matter that they weren't being met for me. And just like I said, that relief that I am human and I'm giving this my best shot and my son's getting everything he needed. So, you know, kind of like going back to Barbie and being in the real world, the real world is not like I said, all positive and pretty and pink and perfect and plastic, that would be really boring. But where do you need to give yourself some slack? Stop beating up on yourself for not, you know, doing things perfectly. And there is a beautiful monologue within the Barbie movie, which has been doing the rounds on social media about the fact that, you know, we don't live in this perfect world, nor would we want to. And as women in particular, oh my goodness, we have so many expectations from society and ourselves that are so unrealistic to live up to that when we can drop that for a while and be our imperfectly glorious self, oh my goodness, it's so much better to give ourselves some slack. I remember even though there were things in my childhood that, you know, I look back on now and they weren't necessarily ideal. So my, my folks split when I was three and uh, I, I stayed living with my mum and then would see my dad on weekends and then my my dad remarried another woman and had kids and my mother remarried a man and he already had kids. So I had stepbrother, stepsister, I had two half-sisters. I had things going on left, right and centre. But honestly, I thought life was pretty perfect. And it wasn't until I was 29 and I'd been in a relationship with a guy for four years and totally, madly, deeply in love. It wasn't my husband. I have since uh, moved on and fallen deeply, madly in love with my husband. But when I was with this guy and we were engaged to be married and we were planning our wedding, we'd been together four years. And he was my Ken if I was Barbie. Because honestly, I feel like life had been a bit of a fairy tale if I'd, you know, wanted a job, I got the job. If I wanted to do something, I did it. And like I said, I'm glossing over it right now because when I do look back and explore it and I have gone into the depths and the, the deeper stuff, yeah, no, it wasn't all perfect. And yeah, there were dark moments and, and shadows, which is great actually because it has created incredible learnings and experience and put way more color in my life, not just pink, if everything was perfect and Barbie-like. But anyway, so this guy and I, we were four years together we were only eight, eight to 12 weeks away from our wedding. It was all planned. It was all booked. The only thing I hadn't done was I'd chosen the wedding dress. It was being made. I hadn't sent out the invites, although had booked 
the rooms at the hotel of the venue that we were getting married at for interstate guests. And without going into the greasy, grimy, dirty dozen stuff that happened, I found out that he was cheating. So again, that's probably a story for another time. But what it meant was this reality I became aware of, and then I had a choice to make. And I chose to leave. I chose to move on and move away and no longer go through with the wedding or go through with the relationship. And we went separate ways. And over the years, I've learned that he didn't actually do anything to me. That was a decision he made and that was his choice. Off the back of that decision, I made my own decision, which was that I no longer wanted to stay in this relationship with this knowledge. And I chose to move on and I did. Now, at the time, I was absolutely heartbroken. I was 29 years of age. And like I said, I thought this was it. This was the guy. Like I said, this was my Ken. But what a blessing. And again, I couldn't see the blessing at the time. I can absolutely see the blessing now. Because what it showed me is that life is not a fairy tale. It showed me, and I feel it was the first kind of slap in my face of reality, of waking up to the imperfection of the real world and the glory that what comes, you know, with the good is also the bad. What comes with the light is also the shadow. And that the best and the combination of the two is what gives life its glory and its joy. You get the highs with the lows. And actually the lows make the highs and gives the highs even more bearing. So with a bit of wisdom, with a bit of hindsight, saw a counsellor for a little while on how someone deals with all of this. And I actually was told at the time to write a journal and to write out every single thing that I was feeling. And I was pretty dark at this place. I had a lot of very, very uh, negative unhealthy, unhappy feelings. And I just wrote them, wrote them, wrote them, wrote them, wrote them. Now, I was never someone that kept a diary and journaling is very much a thing now, but back then it wasn't necessarily a thing. So I did, I journaled, I journaled, I journaled, I wrote, I wrote, I wrote. And I wrote everything that was in my heart, stuff that, to be honest, I don't even know that I would even say those words. And really funny, just recently, So this all happened back when I was 29. I'm now 51, so quite a long time ago. And just recently, we were cleaning out our garage. My now husband and I were cleaning out my garage, and I came across these journals from that time. And there was books and books and books and books, big A4 books of them. And I started rereading them, and oh, my goodness gracious, They were real, they were raw, they were brutal, and I could feel the emotion that back then I was feeling. And it was it was quite amazing. And I said to my husband, because he noticed I was reading them, and he said to me, What are you reading? And I, I shared what I was reading. And he said to me, Oh, babe, you know, put them away. Don't torture yourself like that. Like, why would you want to do that? And I said to him, I'm not tortured at all. I'm reading these through the eyes of someone who is on the other end, who has completely survived this and gone on to now be telling my current husband this story. And I felt detached from the emotion and 
how I had felt back then. Even though I was reading it and I could feel these feelings in my body, I did, I felt this detachment and it was absolutely glorious to think that I'd felt all of that. And the learning that I got out of it was one, I get to choose what I want to do and the decisions I want to make. What he did was his choice. I get to choose what I want. At the time, the feelings and the emotions and what I was thinking, that was the most useful thing I could do back then. But it is not useful to continue to 30 years later be still harboring those feelings and those emotions. And I could read about it as if you were reading a book, like a tragic love story or something in a book. And you know how you do feel like you're in there with the character. I kind of had that feeling and I could close the book and I could walk away. And that was really cool. But it was that moment when I could really feel that, yeah, that lesson was so beautiful. And the reality that life is not a fairy tale, that life doesn't always give you what you want. And yes, you will see the silver lining or the lesson or the half full cup that does come out of it. But that reality, that real dose of reality and that reflecting back on the fact that things do change, things do move on, you get past it, you get over it, you fall over, you get back up. Absolutely glorious. So I was so glad to be able to come across these novels, novels, I just call them a novel, did you hear that? These journal items. I did think I could turn them into a novel one day. Don't know, don't know, don't know whether that's something that I need to be doing. Anyway, I digress. But what I really love is the fact that, yeah, we do need to cut ourselves slack in the real world. Aiming high, having aspirations, having dreams, absolutely such an important part of life. And if you are someone that is ambitious, which I am ambitious, which just means I have things that I'm aiming for, things that I desire, a life that I want to be living that really fulfills me deep inside in at my core. But managing that with a beautiful dose of reality. And I was talking to someone just recently who they're building their business, but they've also got young kids. And she said to me, you know, Kim, sometimes I look at others who don't have kids who are trying to build their business and they've got all the time, you know, during the day that they can spend just working on their business. And and sometimes I get frustrated that I don't have all that time because, you know, at come 3.15, I've got to go and do school pickup or, you know, if the kids are sick, I can't take them to school that day. And she said, you know, sometimes I just wish I could devote all of this extra time to my business because I feel like it would be so much further ahead than it is, you know, whereas right now I feel like I'm part-time in the business and part-time as a parent. And I said to her, so what do you want to give up? You know, do you want to give up? the kids and sell the kids so that you have got that extra time to work on your business. And she was almost mortified that I could even say that. Now, it was with tongue in cheek. And she's like, no, I'd never give up my kids. They're my pride and joy. They're the thing I'm most proud of in my life. And I just had to say that. I didn't need to say anything else. She realized what she'd said. And I said to her, you know, Maybe have your aspirations for your business, go for it, but maybe adjust your timelines and your time frame because you haven't got, you know, 17 hours in a day to devote to your business because you have got young kids and you, you want to be there with them. So give yourself some slack. And if instead of achieving that goal in the next 12 months, it takes 18 months, 
But at the same time, you get to enjoy the glory of, you know, being there and being present with your kids, if that's something that's important to you, then hey, maybe that's a more useful belief than just the belief that I'm not where I thought I would be given this stage in my life that I'm at. And I know that that's something that many, many, many of us on this podcast have experienced where, no, I'm not where I thought I would be at this age or at this stage or at this level in my career. But hey, look at all the other things that have happened. Look at all the other goodness that have come into my life that maybe was unexpected. Maybe look at the things that I've overcome. Look at how far and how much I've grown as a person over the years that, yeah, I might not have got everything in that one area, but if I look at the whole, that's my story. That's my beautiful, glorious, imperfect life and embracing that. So yes, it is absolutely a a big part of growth and development to be optimistic, to be positive, to have aspirations, to have ambitions that are right for you. But sometimes we also need to handle that very kindly, very gently, and with a very, very big dose of reality and putting it all together because all together this makes up the story and the journey of your life. Our expectations often are set by ourselves. Yes, there are society's expectations, but often the harshest ones are the ones that we set on ourselves. We are not Barbie. And thank goodness we're not Barbie. Barbie might be a gorgeous doll to play with, but I don't think being a Barbie in the real world, well, it doesn't work. We know that from the movie. And if you haven't seen the movie, you'll learn that. If you don't see the movie, you'll still know that. That being real, if that comes with getting things wrong, if that comes for, yeah, having to ask for forgiveness, if that comes from being late or dropping the ball or you know, being imperfect, not getting things right, not having all the answers, saying I don't know, if that's what being real means, then I say, bring it on. I love reality. I love the realness. I love the rawness. I love the fact that at times the most useful thing that we can do and the most useful belief that we can have is I am human, I am imperfect, and I am glorious as I am. So bring on being real and whatever it is, whatever aspirations you have, remember, you've got this. Thanks a million for joining me on this episode of Courageous Me. I hope it ignited a spark or two within you. To keep the inspiration flowing, hit that subscribe button and stay tuned for more episodes. We've got loads of amazing stories of courage, passion and practical tips coming your way. For all the show notes, resources, and ways that we can connect, head to courageousme.com.au. And your feedback is incredibly valuable. So if you enjoyed the show, I'd love you to leave a review and a rating. It'll help me spread more of this love and reach more wonderful people just like you. Until we meet again, my friend, always remember, you've got this.